Rodgers, almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the back. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Final patch in the on the game. Andre saw soccer is over there. I'm Jason Jones from MLS Soccer, and big thing in the works that we can't tell you about yet, but we're going to tell you about. But I'm going to tease it right now, just so I can keep propping this up, so you guys maybe get a little interested in it down the line. Joe Patrick, the big thing is the big thing is is, is coming. But for now, we have to wallow in the sadness of the thing that just happened. Mm, yeah, it was that was rough last night. That was like classic. MLS chaos. You go on the road, and all of a sudden, it's like you're in the upside down. Everything, everything's mm-hmm. different. Like your your boots are alive and carrying you in weird directions. Alan Franco is <laughs> spinning around like a top at times. Crazy mistakes being made by certain players, and some players just not performing the way we've seen them perform. Um, at least in the last game against Inter Miami. So yeah, I mean, it was just one of those weird, chaotic games. It almost felt like at a point in time during the game that Atlanta had a chance to potentially get on the right end of that chaos uh but it obviously didn't end up happening and then you end up with a very very disappointing loss against a team that you should be beating to be perfectly honest toronto really is the upside down i did an article for backyield where i looked at essentially like the toughest places to play in mls with just a dash of subjectivity thrown in there which ended up making atlanta win which people were pretty mad about but i looked at the win percentages compared to the away win percentages of each team, right? Because how else do you measure home field advantage rather than like seeing the actual difference that being at home makes for a team. Toronto had the highest home win percentage relative to their away win percentage of any team Hmm. in the league. So going to BMO field is shockingly hard for some reason. (laughs) I don't know what the disparity uh, is caused by or what it's for, but but Canada is is a hell of a place to travel to apparently. And Atlanta looked look jet lagged even though they weren't from kind of the jump here yeah joe i, I asked the discord at patreon.com slash five strike final which includes kirk castle who did our intro of the day kirk castle thank you kirk you can find him on spotify the song is chances i asked the people in the discord all right three game road trip coming up it's toronto red bulls nycfc You've literally never won in New York except for the one playoff game where Akrometti scored, right? You've never scored at Red Bull (laughs) Arena, (laughs) literally never, including the playoff game that you played in the second leg and including a game against NYCFC at Red Bull Arena. You've never scored. (laughs) Do you take four points out of this if I offered it to you? I'm offering you four points. You skip the next three games. And that was kind of with the idea in mind that getting three points against a Toronto team that had given up more goals than any other team in the league seemed like a decent possibility. And to come away with nothing is... I was not in a good mood last night. I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. No, I think I'll like four points would have been the goal for the team, to be quite honest. I mean, they they would never say that. They would say that, you know, we try to win every game. In cetera, fact, cetera. Uh, George Campbell on Thursday said, oh, it's a nine-point trip for us. <laughs> That's right. And I went, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, man. Sure. Um, he was turning 21 that day. He had other things on his mind. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think four points is definitely what this team was looking for. And I guess technically it's not out of the realm it's 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 still possible but I'm, i don't know maybe it is out of the realm of possibility because nothing would indicate that this team is able is going to be able to pick up two points let alone four points mm-hmm. or even you know one point at this point would be probably the best you can realistically expect four points against nycfc and red bulls would be about the best two game stretch you could have in the yeah. eastern conference right now so I'm, I'm no, already, it would be. I'm yeah. going to change that. It objectively would be. Yeah. So I, it's funny. So I'm already kind of um, guarding myself. Like if you think th- things are sour right now, uh-huh. think about what they're going to be in two games when we get, you know, a week from today and this team right. is even further down the table. All the numbers are going to look worse in terms of points per game and all that stuff. It's going to get worse before it gets better. 
So this is the episode where we get to be mad, and the next episode <laughs> yeah. is the one where we tell you guys, no, it's actually, you know, th- these games were hard. <laughs> so <laughs> enjoy enjoy our anger now, yeah. uh, because it's going to go away in uh, a little bit. Uh, this one particularly frustrating, though, for, for so many reasons. Yeah. So many reasons. We're going to get to all of them today, a couple of housekeeping things to get to first, though. Go ahead and check out the Patreon. We already mentioned it, patreon.com slash five stripe final. You can join the world famous five stripe final discord. We've got interviews and training ground reports. We did an interview with Sam stage called the athletic to talk about the latest MLS TV deal and what it might mean for Atlanta United. We have an interview with Felipe Cardenas, the athletic coming up this week as well. We've got video reviews of the games. We have training ground reports. We have all sorts of stuff for you to look at and be a part of in one of the best Atlanta United communities around patreon.com slash five stripe final all right joe let's let's get to let's get to the sad segment again well the first sad segment of the day i guess (laughs) business time business time joe patrick we had to break out the sad business time clip again business time is the worst which which we normally reserve for for injuries and we thought we had maybe started to escape the gravitational pull of whatever evil entity keeps dragging Atlanta United players back to the depths of, of injury hell. Uh, not quite. Not quite. We didn't even get to see this one happen. Uh, Brooks Lennon injured in pregame warmups, carried off the field. Gonzalo Pineda says afterward, an injury to his left knee. They will diagnose it at a later date when they get back to Atlanta, which I'm assuming is as soon. So we'll, we'll find out something relatively soon. Doesn't my, sound good. my guess is Monday, uh, Monday yes. or Tuesday. We'll probably hear. And I'm not expecting great news. Um, Emerson Hyman, the way he talked about it, made it sound like, I don't know. I was thinking like, well, if Emerson Hyman knows what an ACL would look and sound like, then maybe he would understand uh, the severity of it. He didn't seem, he just like kind of said, well, we'll get him checked out. Hopefully he's not out too long, but you never know how much a player knows about what happened in terms of the injury. I mean, obviously it's a bad one because Brooks Lennon has been such a consistent player for this team. Really, you know, since he joined, he took the place of Brooks or of uh, Julian Gressel and has just kind of held that position down on the right side. I think Tom Bogert had a stat, uh, and I wish I had it handy on me right now, but he's played some inordinate amount of games for Atlanta United uh, since he's come to the team. So it's a big one. I think one. Tom said 69 of 71 possible. That's right. Yeah, I think that's right. So um, clearly an important player. We're going to talk about, you know, Aiden McFadden and everything, I'm sure, when we get into questions and things. He played fine. He played well. But, mm-hmm. you know, still losing a player of Brooks Lund's importance and obviously just losing the depth overall in that position at the full at fullback position when you're already missing Ronald Hernandez. It's just, you know, another huge headache for Gonzalo Pineda and kind of unexplainable. It's unreal. That's unreal. And BMO is grass, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> yeah. If anyone was wondering. <laughs> right. Hopefully we're past that at this point Apparently, and we just realized that we're cursed. Yeah, Gonzalo Pineda said that he had slipped somewhere or went to ground somewhere toward the edge of the field area, like the field of play where the field turns into concrete or some other uh, surface. So, I, but again, we didn't see it, so we don't really have that great of an idea as to... Mm-hmm. what exactly happened was it a joint that gave way was it a slip that caused something we just, we just don't know no. so we'll, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath on the reports that will come out and it could be something low-key and something that they reacted to strongly because mm-hmm. this is atlanta united and, and there's a history right now so it could have been something smaller and they just wanted to make absolute sure that it was okay that's that's the optimistic take but <laughs> you, you can exist in that world for at least a few more hours if you want to i promise I promise it, it won't hurt too much. Maybe. Good news, at least, Jeff Patrick. A couple of reinforcements are here. Raul Godinho and Juanase Parata are officially in Atlanta. They were at training the other day. Talked to uh, Raul Godinho after training. Yeah. And he is one, very big. <laughs> Two, extremely nice. Like one of the nicest nice. players and athletes I've ever kind of interacted with. He was. Doing pretty well with his English, I think, and kind of picking up on on some stuff. And, uh, of course, just very 
uh, kind with us and was kind of just putting his arm around like Justin and Gonzalo us all throughout the entire thing and hmm. really good dude if he does well here Atlanta fans are really gonna like yeah. him Justin's uh, a nice high, like nice re- proper rest well, for some, like, yeah giant, like I guess him. for sure <laughs> I mean for for anyone really for real he, he's large just a big human yeah um, I, you know I was I asked Pineda about this a little bit last night probably not the best time to ask this kind of question but you know, with Rocco Rios Novo in the team right now, he's kind of the polar opposite, it seems like, of Godinho, who he's like a shorter, more nimble, more, you know, ball playing mm-hmm. kind of goalkeeper. And I do wonder if the team will make adjustments to that. I mean, obviously, it's not like Godinho is like trashing the ball, can't kick the ball or anything like that. But clearly, it's like a different <laughs> level with Rocco Rios Novo because that's something he really tries to emphasize in his game. So it'll just be very interesting to see how the team deals with integrating him into the team and whether he'll come in like as soon as possible, which will be the the, the game following the opening of the transfer window on July 7th. Godinho, I watched him in a short side drill, seems dainty on the ball. Like he's trying not to Ain't hurt he? it too much <laughs> when, when it comes to him and when he passes it. I'm interested to see what that looks like on a field field, of course, but uh, w- was somewhat curious to see how that will translate on the field. It could be a potential issue if he does get some playing time. And, and I think he will. We'll talk about Rocco's performance last night later in this one as well. But you also get a center back in, I want to say Parada is in. Uh, we don't know a ton about him. He's hot. We know he's hot. He's already posting thirst trap pictures on Twitter and stuff and Instagram. So that that's a bonus for us. The handsome quote at Atlanta United had gone down, in my opinion. Uh, if that's rising, maybe just maybe we'll get back to 2018 one day, right? Uh, it's a reinforcement, and, and Lord knows we need as many of those as possible right now, but still not a ton of info on him. We'll yeah. hopefully talk to him soon. We'll, next, we'll let y'all know. Yeah, don't yeah. really know much about him, to be perfectly honest. And even if we did know things about him, I think it's always uh, kind of a nothing a translates errand, to MLS. Right? <laughs> right? Literally <laughs> to nothing. Try to predict what he's going to be before we just literally see him on the field, and we're not going to get an opportunity for him to play in a preseason game or something to kind of see what he looks like before uh, he gets thrown into a game. So I think we just will have to kind of trust Gonzalo Pineda and that whenever he is in that lineup um, is going that decision is going to be made with the best judgment of the guy who's seeing him train every day. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how he performs because, you know, he has played in a you know high level league in Liga MX. So um, certainly like his experience is there. I'm just interested to see, you know, with a center back, the relationships that you have to have with the players around you, how quickly he will go into the first team. And I think that if he does go into that first game, I think it's July 9th against Austin um, FC, then that will be very telling that he is like a uh, a Mm -hmm. significant level above some of the other options that the team has right now. For sure. For sure. Elaine United not done yet, though, with Godinho and Parada. There is another person coming in and maybe more we'll talk about that later we don't know anything for sure of course but we do seem to have a pretty good indication that edwin mascara a 20 year old colombian winger from uh independence median who was on loan at argentina's uh out of cd i think that's how you say that yeah and uh 20 year old winger uh seal merlo reporting so we know it's good right that he's on the way deal will be for four years 20 years old, right? And I asked Gonzalo on Thursday if Atlanta United is looking to bring folks in and if it would be a U22 signing uh, when they did. And he said, yeah, probably. <laughs> right? Just kind of gave a pretty clear indication. There wasn't things in the pipeline, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So this this seems to fit the profile yeah. of, of that. So U22 initiative signing to replace Eric Lopez would be my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a guess. We don't know for sure, but we, uh, looking at the roster, we would have to assume pretty heavily this is a U twenty two. I mean, well, and, and and Pineda pretty much said it. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, we, yeah. it's going to be a U twenty two for sure." And they have one for sure. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I asked Galazzo Argentina about Mascara, just get an idea. He's seen him for the last probably half a year uh, at Aldo CV as they did pretty well in. 
Dude, the, like the way the Argentina League yeah. seems to set up is, is bizarre. Like the Apertura has like two different groups and then Clausura has like one big group. And there's like also <laughs> a playoffs in the first. I, I don't I'm not going to take the time to understand it. But uh, Adesivi did do well in their group during the first phase for a pretty small club. They also did well uh, in, in the Copa there as well. Uh, Galazzo said this about Edwin. I uh, said good Let's signing. Yes. Uh, oh, a good signing. Uh, very, very quick. So, a handful for fullbacks needs to improve in product, but I'll see if he had a good Copa and Mascara was an important part of that. He unbalances defenses and has the ability to beat his man or look in behind. Essentially, I'll see if he had an option to buy, but a club with such little money, it always looked unlikely they'd be able to use it. Right. Uh, so. That's a pretty like big switch to go from Medellin to, to Aldecivi to now Atlanta United, uh, but seems to be a, a decent profile for a U22 guy. It, you kind of take a risk on these guys and, and hope they could have turned into something. If he can get in behind somewhat consistently, that's a piece that Atlanta United has been missing. It's a it's interesting, especially the four years. I mean, that's a pretty significant time mm-hmm. you know for a contract which is what's being reported by Cesar Luis Merlo uh, so it seems like he's really a player that has caught the eye of Atlanta United's scouting department which is pretty I don't know it's just it's it's fascinating that they're looking at this player who has kind of been in this very um well like <laughs> Just like, you know, uh, just uh, Aldo, I, I never heard of this club before, Aldecivi. <laughs> and, you know, like it's just like a, a, a very kind of, um, I don't know, a, a very small market to, to shop for a player like this. Um, because, you know, again, with these U22 signings, you can spend significant transfer. There's an unlimited transfer fee spend that you can make on, on mm. these players. It's just that their salaries have to stay below the, the maximum threshold. So, um I think that as a profile, he fits exactly what Atlanta United kind of needs right now, especially coming off the Toronto game. And I don't know if anybody really talked about this, but I thought Ronaldo Cisneros was just really, really poor and it's not he working. should not be playing on the left wing again. Yeah. Um, and so this is a, a, the kind of player that's desperately needed. Like how how much have we talked about this team missing a guy with the profile of Tito Villalba who can make, you know, those those runs in behind threaten with his pace, potentially score goals. Mascara doesn't really have a goal scoring track record so far in his career, mm-hmm. but he's still very young and he certainly does have the profile to be that kind of fl- fast flare style winger. So interesting. To some extent, right? And we've seen very li- little from him. We did find. Yeah, this is all based on like a two and a half minute. Like two and a half minute highlight <laughs> video, right? He looked. He didn't look blazing. I'll say that. He looked quick. I don't know if he's going to just absolutely blow by everybody, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but, you know, Atlanta needs runners, I guess, more than anything, people willing to make those runs. So if he can be that, then that's an upgrade from Cisneros at this point on the wing. who's just, again, not working. So we'll see how it all kind of works out. Uh, I'm curious to see how he fits in. Uh, I don't know if it's going to solve everything, but it's worth a shot to the point I was saying about his club like I just feel like this is the kind of player coming from this kind of club that you would almost tend to see and like be a Atlanta United 2 signing just because yes. of the stature of the club um, mm-hmm. and just the, the the age and inexperience that the player has stepping up to MLS will be a big challenge for this kind of player it seems and you know to what me. We, we are assuming it is a U22 yeah we're assuming that yeah. It may not be. Could not if this be. comes out that it's like totally not that and we look dumb in like a few hours, totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, but yeah, to your point, I do want to clarify. We don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's pretty much all I had. Yep. One more thing we wanted to add real quick in that highlight video. I think somewhere around like the 130 mark, he tries to put the ball in between his feet and like throw it <laughs> over his head a rainbow sombrero i don't even know what the technical term for it is uh, it doesn't work it goes like one foot over his head and just kind of bounces off the defender in front of him this was included in the highlight video he just went for it though this is a guy who has no there were, there were multiple angles of this in the highlight video <laughs> he has no respect for his elders just trying to flick the ball over the top of center backs heads 
<laughs> I wonder if he got red carded after that, or like if somebody like went in studs up, studs up on him after. That. He might have deserved <laughs> that, it. it was very One of his teammates might have done it to him. To be totally honest, like <laughs> for it. completely giving away. We love it though. We love to see it. Bring 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 some of that this way, yeah. Edwin. All right, we got to bring some bad stuff y'all's way right now. Let's talk about this damn game in sports. Oh boy, prime game time. Sports Prime, game time. Joe Patrick, a 2-1 loss to Toronto FC. Not a good soccer team. Getting better, I guess. But uh, not a Toronto team that has, I don't know, Lorenzo Insigne in it. They had given up 33 expected goals coming into this game. Yep. And how many matches? Let's see. How many have they played? They had played 15 coming into this game. So that is terrible. I mean, expected goal, like, yeah, it's just really bad. So disappointing that Atlanta was only able to score one goal against this team. Obviously disappointing to concede within the first 15 minutes, let alone the first 10 minutes. You know, that's a point in time where when you go on the road, you just need to start, give yourself some solid footing on which to, to start the game. They were not able to do it. Again, we talked about losing Brooks Lennon even before the game. It was just like this game got off to a bad start before and got even worse after the whistle blew and the players started performing. And yeah, I mean, again, Atlanta you know, got a little bit of a foothold later on, but overall it was just not the result, not the performance that anybody was looking for or hoped for. Yeah. Uh, to be fair to Toronto, they have gotten a little healthier. Uh, they were missing a few guys, but they're never they're not guys who have ever been like huge different make, difference makers, you know, um, to some extent. Right. Like Osorio was back and, and good, obviously, and he scored. Uh, mm-hmm. But for most of the season, they've just been objectively bad, even beyond just having some injuries and everything like that. This is a disappointing one, to say the least. And it starts with an early goal in the eighth minute given up to Osorio and woo boy if we could if podcasting were a visual element we could break down this whole thing by steps right and be horrified at every single one of them I think yeah yeah and it started with George Campbell with uh, just an awful giveaway um and I think that that really sets into motion all the bad stuff that we saw after that, because when George Campbell gives the ball away in the position that he did in the manner that he did, it sets everybody off into total panic mode, understandably, because you're trying to uh, at that point just pressure the ball as much as you can um, to not allow us, you know, an easy shot coming in on Rocco Rios Novo and. They recovered somewhat well, but it totally disorganized that, you know, their defensive structure. And Alan Franco then was spun <laughs> like a top because he was kind of out and he had no fullback to his right side. So he was kind of defending two guys. Two, he, he was no. not defending two guys. He thought he was no. defending two guys. Go back and watch uh, it. But he's six yards in front of goal he can't be bailing out to cover the fucking overlap i don't know i i mean i i I agree with you like he should be just going (laughs) into that he should be going in that tackle trying to win it uh i'm not i'm not trying to say that he did well on that or anything Uh, i'm just saying that there are reasons why he was looking like a he didn't have a head on his shoulders at that point in time, which is that the 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 structure of the defense was disorganized. I can see you shaking your head. So let's hear I'm, it. I'm just I'm just mad about it. I'm just mad about it because I mean, the ball yeah, is right in front good. of you. You're like twelve yards away. You just That's the thing. Like, it's like he was so close to it. the ball. Like he could have he could have <laughs> taken the ball. It seemed like he like he took he like jabbed in toward the ball and was like an inch away from it. And then <laughs> kind Franco. of and then went back to try to cover space that nobody was running into. Yeah, he prepared for 400 eventualities that were not nearly as yes. threatening as the one right in front of his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was frustrating and emblematic of what has been a not good season for yeah. him. No, yeah, totally. He's objectively been, bad. Yeah. Uh, objectively bad is correct. And you know what? I guess we go and ask this, right? Like, if there is any market for Alan Franco, this window, it might be worth it to, to, to just try that again. <laughs> right yeah. with another center back or, or yeah. anything else you know yeah i mean it, it won't fix everything there are a lot of problems to get to here and we're gonna talk about all of them i think but it might be worth it to try something else but again there's got to be a market for it and there's got to be right. someone else they want to bring in blah, blah 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 we can't just like we can't go into the fifa machine and 
and crank it all out. But yeah, yeah. If he that, if he's around next year, I'll be very surprised. I think um, maybe like honestly, the most viable market for a player like him might be somewhere else in MLS in like a trade. But I'm not mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Again, because of the Tam situation. In terms of the TAM money he's on, teams you know in the middle of their seasons aren't necessarily ready to onload a player like that mm-hmm. necessarily or, or are looking for a center back. So that kind of deal might be easier to make within the league in the MLS offseason. So, yeah. yeah, it's just a tough one with him. I would say, Sam, like... I don't think like anybody is off the table in terms of like out. Yeah, who, who are you protecting? Yeah. You're, right. Like I think that you would listen to offers for pretty much anybody at this point because you need with with all the help that you need on the roster right now, you you got to try to open up some flexibility somehow. So it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, the the players that teams will want to come in for are are your best players. So that's like never comforting to have to like listen to offers for players who you see as a big part of your team but i think that every player should be you know from from atlanta from atlanta's front office standpoint like every mm-hmm. they should listen and talk to to anybody about anybody I mean, i'm just thinking off the top of my head the dps are safe mm-hmm. the homegrowns are safe because they're homegrowns and they don't matter anyway right you're not getting rid of caleb wiley right uh the injured people are safe because they're either injured or Miles Robinson. That's it. That's all I got. That, I think, that's that's it as far as people who are safe. I think there's one homegrown that might not be safe or that the team would potentially think about moving, and that's Jackson Conway. Um, oh, yeah. Totally. I know that he's like a player who we've I've loved for his potential. I still think he's going to be uh, a really good pro, but... I think that a lot of uh, some other clubs might see that too and might see that his lack of playing time and you know the the positive thing about a homegrown from Atlanta's perspective is that you get 100% of the of the revenue from the sale so that's a positive mm-hmm. and also you know this team has shown that it's very it's just very hard for a homegrown in the position that Jackson plays to really break mm-hmm. into the team and be a starter so maybe the best option is to you know, parlay that into financial assets um, instead of asset being an asset on the roster in terms of his playing ability. For sure. No, I think that's a fair point. I think it's a fair point for sure. So we'll see. I, I don't I don't know how much we can convince ourselves that there's going to be a ton of movement in this window, but I'm leaning towards it. Yeah. You know, I mean, clearly it's not it's not good enough right now. And you don't want to punt on this year. This is not a punt year even with all the injuries and all that thing. Yeah, I know there's a lot of obviously negativity because of the game. And I think that that's being translated into like the season being lost. And of course, you know, losing Brooks Lennon plays into that and everything. But I really feel like, you know, this season is not even halfway over. Um, mm-hmm. Some of these injured players are going to come back. It feels like they're all like season injured. But, uh, you know, Andrew Gutman will be coming back. Ronald Hernandez mm-hmm. would theoretically be coming back like at the very, very end of the season. But he could potentially help you in the playoffs. Um, this team has been without Tiago Amada for a couple games. He'll obviously be back from his suspension after one more. Joseph Martinez is getting healthier. Uh, it seems like he's, it seems like he's as healthy as he's been. So you still have mm-hmm. a lot of attacking quality. The problem is what we've talked about about soccer being kind of this weak link sport and Atlanta having these, you know, these these huge kind of holes because of the injuries that have been left. And uh, you got to cover those extent. up. Yeah. Right. The injuries are a big part of that. I think as far as like the weak link last night, we thought Aiden was good. We Really, I want to preface this with all that. Aiden was great, mm-hmm. especially in a position where he was thrown into it the very last second. But the team not having Brooks Lennon as a, a fullback who gets forward and gives them an option to, to switch play and everything to that right side. It, it messes with the balance, mm-hmm. right? Not, yeah. not that anyone was really connecting with much of anything last night, but it would have made it a little, a little sharper to have Brooks out there being that threat on the right side. Aiden's very athletic. Aiden is good defensively. Aiden will run and get up and down, but his, he's not quite as good on the ball as Brooks and doesn't quite understand how to get into those positions yet. So it, it did throw off everything last night. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree with that. What didn't... Well, what we could have expected, I guess, to be thrown off was was the midfield. They uh, 
didn't have it in them. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. They were pretty relatively solid. I think last week against Miami. Uh, then again, they were, you know, going against a team that didn't have their best midfielder and was obviously on 10 men after 29 minutes. It, uh, it continues a theme for me that you can't just keep throwing like replacement level to like slightly above replacement level midfielders at the problem and expect everything right, right. to be fixed. Right. You know, mm-hmm. which goes back to again, that, that no one should really be all that safe, I guess, when it comes to potentially going in and out uh, of this transfer window. So that was my biggest kind of takeaway from the entire night was, okay, we're still, we're still here, even with Emerson healthy, right? He's good on the ball. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's not a game changer. Like, like he's, you mm-hmm. know, he's not like a player who's going, it's not like Nagby coming back into the team, you know, like it's mm-hmm. not like some like, you know, dynamite midfielder coming into the team and totally changing the confidence, not like not even the tactics, but just like the overall confidence level, all of that. Like you don't really have that kind of midfielder in this team right now. It's this midfield is being held together by Emerson Hyman, who's coming back from an ACL injury. And a U22 signing player, a 21-year-old Franco Ibarra, who mm-hmm. I like Franco Ibarra. I, I, you know, statistically he's been he's good, but in the last few games he's not been good. Uh, going back to the Columbus game, the Pachuca game, he got he was just making he made a mistake that cost the team a goal. Um, I guess he was okay in that Miami game, but it's you know again they were playing against ten men for an hour in that one, and then I just thought he was straight up bad. I thought it was probably his mm. worst game of the season yesterday, and um, yeah, you just and there's nobody there that's going to really challenge him right now for playing time because Santiago Sosa can't get healthy and and get playing you know consistently on the field <laughs> for this team. There's just nobody there, and mm. you're just kind of relying on these guys. And I thought that Sam, something you said in the Discord last night was. Uh, you struck me, which was that, you know, you watch teams around this league play every week, the the, the best teams and the worst teams and the best mm-hmm. teams are the ones that like are really good in midfield and are really solid in midfield defensively and offensively, offensively just being, you know, well, you can you can describe how, how you see these these teams and how they differentiate. But it really seems like that midfield is just such a huge component in being on the top end of MLS. I think maybe the most noticeable thing last night was that the work rate wasn't there. It just wasn't there. Yeah. They were walking for a, a shocking amount of time, it seemed like. And when you look around the league at these teams that, that do have engine-type players in midfield, you, you look at a, a Seattle, right, and NYCFC, and, of course, Red Bulls, and, and Montreal, and other solid teams, right? I, I don't know quite why I necessarily threw Montreal in that totally, right? But uh, the, the best teams have midfielders that make everything easier. That includes on the defensive side and an attack, right? Players who get involved on every level, right? And are always They're really annoying to working. play against. They're really annoying to play against. <laughs> it makes things so much more difficult, yeah. right? And they are better at more than one thing, right? They offer multiple things. And they offer that work rate that Atlanta just simply doesn't have. Everyone in midfield on this team is either kind of mediocre at everything or like above average at one thing and not good at everything else. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that makes everything else more difficult. If Atlanta's midfield was solidified, it would be that connecting piece for this talented attack that we always talk about being talented, but not looking sharp. It would make them more confident in their ability to get forward. It would make the defense more confident in their ability to step up and play high line or or disrupt uh, transition moments and everything like that. It would obviously offer some cover in transition moments. If, if the front line got forward and was dispossessed and the ball started heading back the other way, it would make everything easier. And right now, everyone is kind of out there on their own individual position unit or their own individual line panicking about what might happen if the other line gets the ball mm-hmm. or has to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And that starts in midfield for me. Mm-hmm. And that starts in midfield with this team. Yep. And so looking around at the personnel looking around at the rest of the league, it's the biggest thing for me that's got to change. And if there is a way to start fixing that in this secondary transfer window, it's going to be the single biggest thing Atlanta United can do to get into the playoffs. Cause right now I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. 
Ah, I, I, that was well said. I mean, I'm surprised not that this is going to be able to happen because of the, the state of where these DP players are at right now in their contracts. But like, I'm surprised this team has never invested in a DP, like a central midfielder DP. Cause I feel like that's a player that would really mm-hmm. be like, well, you know, like in the, in the youth, in, in, you know, youth leagues, the best players will oftentimes play in central midfield just because you're involved in everything that happens in a game. It seems to me like that would be an important place to invest significant, you know, amounts of resources. And obviously they did put big resources into the Emerson Hyman's uh, signing, but I don't know if he's really, he's not really the midfielder that I'm thinking about. Like he's, he's uh, a nice, you know, tidy piece and he certainly has, you know, a role to play on a team like this, but he's not the kind of commanding, central midfielder that, you know, I'm going to keep invoking Darlington Abbey. We always do, but only because he's the perfect representation of the kind (laughs) of, you know, midfielder that it seems like this team has been missing since, since he left. So uh, I think that that's definitely something that the team needs to address. I don't know if it's going to be possible in this transfer window. Again, this is considering the holes that they have to fill defensively um, or elsewhere, but I think it's something that long-term they really got to look towards. For sure. For sure. And to add to that, I mean, just just to look around the league right quick, I'm looking at the standings and just thinking about the guys they have shielding and the guys they have doing the work in midfield. Right. And NYCFC has has Keaton Parks. Right. Montreal has Victor Wanyama. George Mihailovic is Moscone. Uh, Philadelphia has Jose Martinez and Leon Flock, who's constantly just they're mm-hmm. both running around like crazy people. Right. These are the top teams in the league. LAFC has Ilya Sanchez now who saved pretty much all of their entire season as they've kind of come back into form, right? They have Sefuentes, they have Kellen Acosta. Uh, RSL is is fake and just does magic. But Al, uh, but Austin has Alexander Ring, right? Yep, yep. And it, there's a trend here. There's a trend. Dallas, Pomacall, and Cervania, and all these guys... It, they have good midfields yeah. and Atlanta United is so far away from that y'all. Yeah. And so far away from that you know, right now. I said a DP, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a designated player, but even a player like a Carlos Carmona, I think like that's exactly the kind of player oh. that this team yeah. needs right now, which is like, just like a veteran experienced hardo. <laughs> like, so, and like somebody which, who can, somebody who can really be a leader. To be fair, Ozzy Alonso kind true. of sort of looked that's like true. that for that's a true. moment. Yeah. Right. And that's to me, that's still the most disappointing. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Miles was was miserable, but um, I mean, it might be the most impactful perhaps of, of the of all the guys who have had these season ending injuries, losing Ozzy Alonzo because he does fit all these boxes that we've been talking about. I don't know how much he was going to be able to play this season, obviously, because of his age. You know, like he was probably going to have like limited amounts of minutes. But um, yeah, you need somebody like that. Pierce asked the question, are the midfielders our biggest weakness? None of them athletic, most short, and all seemingly not very good at dealing with high press setups. Pierce, I hope that answered that. (laughs) 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 I meant to frame everything with that, but then I kind of got carried away there a little bit. Uh, also uh, lost in the moment at times. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say one more thing as it relates Mm -hmm. to the game specifically, which is that I feel like Marcelino Moreno does not help out like uh, a lot of our like what we've been talking about, at least for me. I've been thinking about this, the pairing of Franco Barra and Emerson Hyman in this game last night. But I also think that, you know, just Marcelino Moreno was playing as more of a shadow striker. It seemed like in this game, not really helping solidify that that portion of the field. And I wonder if Gonzalo Pineda might drop Ronaldo Cisneros from the team, play Marcelino Moreno kind of in that left channel. And as much as we hate him being a quote unquote winger and he wouldn't play the same way Ronaldo Cisneros does, but replace them personnel wise in the team and then bring in like an Amar Sadich or another central midfielder to play in more of a, a flatter three-man midfield similar to what the team did in the first game of the season against Sporting KC mm. when they were missing some players potentially just to try to just to try to patch up and make this midfield a little bit more difficult to play through but in the end you're just kind of trying to put band-aids on uh, yeah exactly you're just throwing bodies at the problem right exactly yeah, yeah. it's it's frustrating it's not a bad thought I, I totally get where you're coming from there for sure for sure i i just i wish we could just put caleb up on left wing and put gutman at left back and just call it a day right yeah at this point <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know I, I think that would be the answer to some of this mm-hmm but 
I look forward to that day when Here that's we possible. Are. 2022 <laughs> Atlanta United, right? Right. Also part of 22 Atlanta United, another uh, substitute coming in for an injured player was Rocco Rios Novo. Didn't feel great about that last night from him. Uh, I'm not going to put the the first goal on him or even really the second goal, but it, it sure felt like there were moments where he could have done he could have done better. And I, I'm curious that to see if Raul Godinho makes saves on on shots that are similar. Mm-hmm. I imagine he would. I said in the Dirty South Soccer spaces last night that I thought I think both of those shots were saveable and like mm-hmm. Godinho might save those shots. I thought the second one was worse. I know when I saw it in real time, I was like, <laughs> did it get deflected? Like, why right. did that ball hit like the back of the net <laughs> um, <laughs> from, you know, when it seemed like he was in good position. He must have gotten shielded or something, but it was weird that he didn't even really make a, a an attempt really to, late or just yeah. got caught flat footed. Yeah. I think it was, I think I think it it might was have been more that. the flat footedness because yeah, because mm-hmm. it was a quick first time shot, clever shot from from Ralph uh, Pinso there, but or, or Ralph Pinso there. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a Rolf, is he? Um, yeah. But no. I think like so I think being like as a shot stopper, he was poor last night. I thought that I, I love watching him play goalkeeper just because uh, it is fun. what he does on the ball and the way that he was helping the team and build up, I think, was important. And I think it will be interesting to see how the team deals without him there um, and adjusting to Godinho. But he, because he was able to release the ball into the midfielders in some cr- in some clever and creative ways because he was attracting an opponent onto him, um, which then sets off this chain reaction oftentimes of once he uh, uh, once he absorbs this pressure, he's able to release and then it causes a chain reaction of to opponents trying to recover positions um, to put pressure on the ball. So anyways, I thought he, that he was good on the ball. He wasn't necessarily the reason why the team lost or anything, but he was also not, as you said, not, not great. <sighs> uh, Probably it, like not much of a difference between he and Bobby Shuttleworth in a game like that. I think so. I think we're right. I think we're right. Uh, again, interesting Godinho. He was not doing super well at Chivas apparently before he came here. So we'll see if he can gain a little confidence and, and use that six, five frame to good effects. Something that people were suggesting Atlanta United could use to good effect Joe Patrick. I saw this in a few spots on the internet. And we have a question about it from Phil is a more counter attacking style. Phil asks, is it time to switch away from possession based soccer uh, team consistently winning the possession battle, but not actually winning the games. I did not get that indication at all from Same. last night's game, especially considering that the counterattacks were filled with one-on-one scenarios or one-on like three scenarios. There were no numbers advantages happening even against Toronto, who's a terrible transition defense team. They were sometimes just killed by Marcy because he's Marcy, you know, <laughs> and even though the power bar filled up last night, he never activated never it to score the worldie. Yeah. Dumb. Can't <laughs> believe he didn't. Can't believe he didn't. Or, you know, the numbers advantages weren't happening because, again, the work rate from the midfield wasn't there to join the attack. Have you have you watched Seattle counterattack? No. That is a counterattacking team that when they get it going, I mean, there are five, six people in the box on on every counterattack. Right. And they're all getting forward and they all have quality. Right. And they're all bombing forward and the the kill patterns of attack are there. Elena and I didn't have that. Elena United's playing, you know, three on five and hoping that someone will connect from 20 yards away. Right. So in essence, we're asking a counter this team to suddenly become counterattack in quotation marks to be who they haven't been at any point over the last two years of like info we've gathered on on these players and their abilities. And we're also asking them to sit deep and defend and absorb pressure at some point. For a team that has given up some <laughs> soft ass goals yeah, yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Right. It, it, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I felt like this team looked best last night when it did have possession. When it did settle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they tried to play a little bit like of this counter attacking style, like long ball long direct balls to Ronaldo Cisneros, which were just not working at all. Um yeah, I don't really see this as being uh, an issue for this team in and of itself. I mean, first of all, I think possession is largely like a defensive tactic where you're trying mm-hmm. to keep your organization um, 
with the ball. I think that this team needs to create more uh, chance, uh, you know, create more chances through counter pressing, which is to you know press high up, win the ball high up the field, and then create your breaks. Not necessarily sitting in a low block and then trying to go long and direct. That's how we saw this team score against Inter Miami. That's how we've t- seen this team score time and time again under Tata Martino. You know, goals are generally scored in transition moments. Like the vast majority are scored in transition moments with very few passes leading towards goal. You're often capitalizing off of opponents' mistakes. And Atlanta, you just has to find ways to force more of those mistakes um, higher up the field into areas where they can take advantage. That's really where I see this team, the, the biggest difference in this team when it's going well and when it's not. So I pulled the numbers while you were talking right there. Atlanta United, fifth in the league in transition uh, goals scored this year. Uh, second spectrum defines those as counterattacking moments and regain moments. Okay. Uh, regain moments are essentially when you win possession in the first two thirds, counterattacking is when you win possession in your own third defending, right? And you mm-hmm. counterattack that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Nine goals on the year, that's fifth best. In the league, LAFC is first with 12. Uh, if we change that to XG, where are we at? Uh, sixth. And, and up there with good teams. Uh, the teams ahead of them, LAFC, FC Dallas, NYCFC, Red Bulls, Philadelphia Union, then Atlanta. So you're on to something there, right? Uh, when Atlanta United is able to, to get into those kind of transition moments, it does go pretty well, right? And that's where Gonzalo has said, like, what he wants to do with this team is not try to become good at something it's not it it wants to double down on where it excels exactly exactly one thing i will say though is we kind of look at it right is that um a lot of those moments have come more out of regain moments mm-hmm. than, than counter-attacking moments just mm-hmm. to add to what we were talking about earlier makes sense uh, i mentioned that Lenny united fifth and goals scored from transition moments when we take out uh, the regain moments, just look at counter-attacking moments. Atlanta United, 18th in the league, only three goals scored from counter-attacking, so six from regain moments. It is Obviously, it works well when Atlanta United gets possession high up the field. It works well for most teams. They're executing on it well when it happens, but Atlanta United is last in the league in total pressures yeah. and last in the league in total team pressures. Yeah, they that's bad. just don't do it that much. Yeah. There are a number of external things, right? Like when you have possession a lot, you're not going to be pressing. You have sure. the ball. Sure. Right. Uh, but to be last is something that's very interesting to me. Um, they're not totally ineffective when they do it. We can look using second spectrum numbers. We can look at how long each team's possessions are lasting uh, against them. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty, pretty solid. Right. It's kind of middle of the road as far as how long possessions are lasting. Uh, they're not Red Bulls or NYCFC, right? Where possessions are lasting like six seconds. It's more like 10, you know? Um, so they're not getting totally torched anytime they press. It's just, they just don't do it all that much, right? Yeah. Which again goes back to my work rate thing. Maybe this has been the key the entire yeah, yeah. time is we yeah. just need engines in midfield. Yeah. You know? I, think, I don't I think, know. Yeah, I know. I think you're right about the, the work rate. And it's not like, to me, it's not like a criticism of players individually as much as it's just like, it almost seems to be like an overall fitness level or something. Um, I don't know. But I mean, I think it, it hmm. seems like the team just does not cover as much ground as their opponents in many games. I can look this up right quick. Oh, if you do you have that up. set? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's something that you were saying about the pressures and regains. It seems to me like it's evidence that this team is very good at turning those transition opportunities into chances because the pressing numbers themselves are low. But when they are winning the regains despite the low overall total amounts of pressures they're creating you know a high amount of goals relative to their competitors in the league okay you, you were spot on uh so atlanta united uh second last in the league and distance closed when they press mm. right um the only team ahead of them is nycfc which cracks me up because <laughs> nycfc does press right it's just the they have to run like five feet to do it um, <laughs> <laughs> because Yankee Stadium. So Atlanta United, yes, last in total distance closed um, when pressing. Right. So they just aren't covering a ton of ground. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yep. I, I, think think we just fixed Atlanta United. I think we just fixed it. I think after all this time, 
we just were being too nice to the midfield, which I'm done. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over this segment as well. Let's get to a quick. Oh my God, we're 52 minutes in. Let's get to a quick break. We're going to get in trouble for this ad read being so late, but we did just want to thank Lucid FC, of course, for being the presenting partner of Five Stripe Final. Uh, You can find Lucid FC's shop in Buckhead. It's open by appointment and walk-ins 1 to 8 p.m. daily. It's located at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. If you go online to lucidfc.us, you can use DSS as your season-long promo code for free shipping in the United States, where you will find athletic-inspired heritage sets now available online. That's their newest release. Also, apparently, Jack Harlow uh, has been spotting in some uh, uh, Lucid FC stuff, which is pretty cool. That's not on the read, but I'm just throwing that in a little bit of extra. Uh, new new releases this summer from Lucid FC every Thursday. So every Thursday, you can go onto their web shop again at lucidfc.us. Use that DSS season long promo code for your free shipping and get some of their new stuff. So uh, definitely check them out. And thank you once again to Lucid for being the presenting partners of the show. Thanks, Lucid. We love you guys. We love Kurt Castle as well, who normally asks our first question when he asks a question in the Discord. I was kind of like, wait, why didn't Kurt ask a question this week? <laughs> uh, it's because he's getting married. Yes, congrats, congrats to Kurt. That's awesome. Congrats to Kurt Castle, our, our intrepid uh, intro singer, Kurt Castle. Find him on Spotify. And I guess like in a wedding registry somewhere as well. Uh, let's go to the questions. First question uh, comes from Tony, who says, odds we're going to make the playoffs. I'll pair that with Sanford, who says, feels like not being able to get a point against Columbus or Toronto puts us firmly in the non-playoff team category. And honestly, that's fine. We've been cursed by injuries this year. I hope they can turn things around and go on a run, but I'm not hopeful. I don't know. I don't know if I'm like, that's fine. You know, I don't think I'm there yet. Just totally resigned to everything because obviously there's still in it right if we look at the the standings they have 19 points from 15 games new england is seventh with 23 points from 16 games you win your next game you're one point behind the playoff line it's also cluttered right now Mm, yeah it's it's hard to really see any separation from anything so we can kind of just go by feel on that again atlanta's underlying numbers are are relatively good is it going to make folks mad if i point out that they're like what are they? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleventh in the league in expected points per American soccer analysis, which is definitely playoff level. Like there there have been a lot of bad breaks yeah. this year. And things can change quickly. And yeah. things can change with the roster quickly. That being said, Joe Patrick, have you looked at the latter half of the schedule all right it's time to go through and predict the rest of the 21 games right now I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, three hour show i mean the tough thing for atlanta is that they dropped points earlier this season in winnable games or games that they should have been taking points in the loss away to charlotte the draw at home to cincinnati that one maybe i mean yeah, I mean, they should be winning that game. Um, there, there are just games against some of the weaker teams in this league that they could have taken points off of that, you know, is going to they're going to have to make up at some point or they they will maybe have to uh, considering the way that the league shakes out. I don't know. This league is so damn difficult to predict, but it's just like nah. not over at all. To go back to the point I was saying at the top of the show. This team has actually gone through something that I've never seen happen on a sports team <laughs> with all these injuries. So they there's, they're surviving right now. They're trying to tread water. They will continue to try to tread water through the rest of this road stretch. And then you hope that once you get Almada back after that, once you get into the transfer window, that the team can start to come together and form some, co- some cohesiveness that they really haven't had a chance to, to really do for a prolonged stretch of games at all this season i think like they finally used the the same lineup and back to get back games like sometime recently mm-hmm. um yeah. so it's just crazy but uh yeah i mean i don't know i don't know what the odds are that they'd make the playoffs but i would say it's just completely up in the air 50 50 as to way this season is going to go from here on out to add to the lineup thing i saw it come out last night and i was like oh wow they're going to use a lineup for the third time this season for the first time hmm. right and then brooks got hurt and then no and, didn't, and then no <laughs> Joe Patrick, I did some quick math and you might have seen me making faces because it was horrifying. The next 10 games for Atlanta United, nine of them are against playoff teams. Awesome. Great. That's fun. 
cool, neat, right? <laughs> and the other one is Chicago, who kind of continues to, to get better. Not well, really. Just kidding. They, they, the numbers like them, but they're not really getting better. Well, this stretch of games then is going to be hugely important for this team because when you play against playoff teams, it's a chance to get yourself back in it. Uh, but it's also obviously a diff- more difficult task. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, that looks rough. Actually, now now I'm looking at it. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> and after that, after that ten game stretch, there are just nine games left at that point. It's also relatively difficult. Look, Atlanta had their chances to, to steal. It's a tough stretch. Easy points, right? Yeah. At the beginning of the year, they did not do it. So now that the task is all that more difficult, I don't know what kind of odds I want to put on it. Um, but I, I think anything higher than than sixth is being very optimistic at this point. Now that I'm looking at the schedule, I would put their odds at playoffs at below 50-50. Below 50%. I would agree. A lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. ATLUTD14, parentheses John, says, Marcy seemed to flare out wide, left a lot. And with no Amada, we arguably needed him more essential. Do you think that was tactical or more a function of the attacking four having general freedom to move around and Marcy just likes to get out? Left. Uh, I, I think that was just Marcy being Marcy, and again, just a whole lack of cohesion from the entire team last night. Again, yeah. again there's there's no trust in, in each of the lines that Atlanta United has, and so no one makes the runs, no one moves off the ball, and it's frustrating. I asked Emerson about this last night, and you know he said that Toronto just did a great job at just cl- using numbers to clog up that central area, and I think that Marcelino was just trying to find some space where he could receive the ball, and that's why he was kind of. Shuttled out to the to the left side because that was just an opportunity for him to get into some space. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't think it worked. Obviously, I mean, I think that Tiago Amato would have made such a big difference in that kind of game because they really could have used a player with his level of um, technical ability just to like keep possession at certain moments and calm things down and relieve pressure uh, off the team and. It just really hurt not having him in there. And that's a function of him receiving a red card that he never should have received. So really hurt the team in that in that instance, um, which is a shame. But um, I think the team will look much better when he comes back. But again, a team that's going to clog that much centrally is really not conducive at all to Marcelino Moreno's style because he has to kind of get the ball in some of those open areas where he can kind of create some of that chaos that he's known for. Yep. Uh, Almada's first game back, by the way, NYCFC. Welcome back, Tiago. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, ATL Greg One says, is there a workable midfield trio on this roster? Feel like today's got worked, even though they're all decent players. Does it, man, does it really matter who you pick at this point for this trio? It just all kind of seems like the same level, honestly. We can improve incrementally on slight things, but I think this is the best three right now at least the best two central midfielders is part of it right I don't, what else do you do i to what i said earlier i think a, a, a midfield trio a true midfield trio will work better i think that they should do that for this okay. game specifically um against red bulls play moreno up top the thing is it just really you don't really have a ton of pace up top when you do that but i think you just have to solidify especially against red bulls who are you know, known for making games a mess, you just, you know, that additional number in midfield is going to make things, I think, a little bit easier for you. You make things a little bit more solid. So maybe you see uh, Franco Ibarra flanked by both Mateus Rosetto and Emerson Hyman. Or, you know, I don't know if Emerson, how much he'll be able to give, you know, again, considering his recovery from injury and then this game being played midweek. So maybe it's Sadich instead of Heinemann. Uh, but I think that a, a, a midfield trio would be something that the team should strongly consider. We had the same thought as you were talking about doing Emerson and, and Hasetsu against Red Bulls just to try and maybe, maybe alleviate some of that pressure. I don't know if it's going to work, but in theory, maybe. Yeah. If we do like, I don't know, dual false eights or whatever the hell they were trying to do last night when Hasetsu <laughs> came in. I, I don't quote, quite know what the deal was there, but... Interesting stuff. I thought they looked better the after the, after that yeah. happened. Although did they get, they gave up the goal. That was still it was still one one at that point, I believe. Um, correct, correct, correct. So even when they get it right, it still kind of just goes wrong. Uh, B Mildenhall says, "I feel like we have to go to three center backs with not much depth at fullback, especially once Parada can play. No one wants to. What else can we do to keep 
four in the back. I guess you just trust Aiden at this point. Yeah. That's all he kind of can do. And I'm I'm relatively okay with that. Yeah. I think. I've thought that too. You know, I wrote a post about it actually on Dirty South Soccer a while back. I think like initially going into this prolonged break in the season uh, as something that he could do. But I just, I don't get the feeling that Gonzalo Pineda has any interest in a back three. So I don't see it happening, to be perfectly honest. Same here. Same here. A Money says, Bokenegger out. I just put this in here just because we get it like every other week or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm not there right now, especially if, if work is put in during the summer window. Uh, look, it, we, we've said our piece about the last few years, right? But uh, he's going to stick around and he's been working to fix a lot of these things, right? As has the entire front office. I think a healthier team, we maybe see that a little quicker but now there's more work to do is what it is mm-hmm. yeah i agree yeah if you're if you're evaluating boca negra's performance you have to look at what the team was to start the year you know when he's compiling the initial roster and since the things that have happened have happened what is he doing now and i think that he's you know this team is trying to do the best that it possibly can to to cover all the holes but i thought you put together a really strong roster to start the season and i think that actually you're like the strength of atlanta's roster is actually showing uh, despite some of you know the poor mm. results you're seeing like performances from players from the depths of the depth <laughs> the bot the very bottom of the depth of the roster that's actually suitable and aiden mcfadden i think is one of those guys who's just kind of showing strength there so um yeah i mean i'm not on the bookening route train really whatsoever at this same. point same same uh philip grant says if the stars align brooks was only out for a few weeks these new players performances it gets better service in the box could we still realistically be contenders for mls cup if so why uh why because rsl went to the western conference finals last year as like a seven seed <laughs> yeah. and won a playoff game without putting up a shot like it, it can happen uh winning it all is, is a little bit more difficult uh but there's talent here Obviously, we we know that we yeah. know this team's going to get healthier. We know there's talent. For me, it's I'm, I'm on the midfield kick today. That's that's my biggest thing. <laughs> it's just so overmatched in so many yeah. ways. You can solve everything else. I mean, could they be contenders? Sure. I mean, it all depends on what they kind of look like when when they approach that that end of the season, the playoffs. Hopefully, or obviously, they would have to be in playoff contention to to be at <laughs> uh-huh. that point but um yeah they could i think the the biggest problem is that you know mls playoffs and to your point about ralph salt lake they made they did that without a shot but it, it was because you know they were not giving up goals necessarily you know high numbers mm-hmm. of goals which has been what's plagued this particular team and we saw that even with tata martino in 2018 go to a really defensive setup in the in that playoffs um a more defensive setup than he had used all season and this team, all their talent, all their you know, prolific players are these attacking players. I don't see how they can really get more defensive. And Gonzalo Pineda has said that he wants to double down on what his team is strong in, which is the attack. So that's not really the recipe for making a run in MLS playoffs. It's more about just buckling down and not giving up anything. So mm-hmm. that's what makes me a little bit like, you know, on the negative side about making a run in the playoffs. Maybe we can solve some of those things with some moves. Pierce asked, do you think the FO is done after the goalkeeper center back and left winger? We've been willing to. Uh, obviously, I think me and Joe would both say that we would like them not to be to some extent. But I, I think we're also cognizant of the fact that it's tough to move pieces out. And it's tough to find the right pieces to bring in. And all the things have to align for that to work. It's not simple. Yeah. So uh, I don't think they're done. But I wouldn't be surprised if they are. Yeah, I don't think they're done like looking at players and getting players in a position where they could potentially sign them. But I think that a lot of those other potential signings other than the ones we've heard would be conducive on getting players off the roster. So Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to do that unless you move some players, probably, you know, some not Jake Mulraney style players like you would have to have to move players that actually give you legitimate, you know, budget flexibility. Jake has been legit starting for Orlando. Has he really? Yeah. Has he been good? You know? It's not going well. <laughs> Henry Aguida says, tough times. While we do have some of the new signings coming in soon, what else needs to happen to truly write this ship? Uh, again, I, I think you have to find a way to, to get that cohesiveness back, which we've been talking about for two, three years now, right? So something, someone 
has to break that cycle. And I don't see it right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when Gonzalo Pineda came in, this team kind of went on. Well, it started with Rob Valentino um, after Gabriel Heinze left. But this team, I think, had like the best or second best points tally uh, from that point on in the season only to Mm -hmm. the Revs. And so that's a clear situation where a team struggled and was inconsistent for a huge portion of the season and then figured things out. But this team has just really been, to your point, they've just been struggling so much with personnel. Um, they got to find that consistency. They had that consistency down the stretch of last season. And I think that that will be kind of the the main factor in the writing will be finding that consistent set of players it, you can rely on. It helped, too, that they didn't have to beat a playoff team. <laughs> that is all. They, <laughs> so that is we, also we forget case. that, that schedule. Uh, That's very true. It's very easy yeah, schedule. light. <laughs> obviously not going to be the case this year nope uh ralph asks when will the suffering end is there a meaning to the suffering ralph suffering happens because there is nothing controlling us there is no cosmic hand there is no greater force pushing us one direction or the other because if that were the case then everything we do would be artificially influenced in some reason which means ralph that we couldn't in fact create true love and true connection and true humanity because everything we do would be affected by things far beyond the reaches of man. So yes, Ralph, there is a point to the suffering, but also it sucks ass. Well said. Joe Patrick, like anything that. else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no. Um, uh, shout out to Sam Stasol once again for doing that interview with us on the Patreon last week. Definitely recommend everybody check that out. We've gotten some good feedback from our folks in the Discord about it. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, or if you're not a patron, Please subscribe so you can go check that out. Uh, he had some really good stuff on the you know on the MLS deal, and we'll talk to Felipe coming up soon. We'll have more stuff uh, after some of the games that are coming up this week. The the Red Bulls game, we'll have something for patrons as well. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. Beautiful. Let's get out of here. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>